0: You trusting at the end of the day this is god who came in the form of man to die for me Mm -hmm. uh, humbled himself in that way um, suffered for me is accessible to me now through his holy spirit Mm -hmm. has eternity in store for me and so we know that god is loving in that way and that's what we trust in. at the end of the day it's a loving god behind all of this and he's demonstrated Mm -hmm. his love that we can see
1: Welcome to the Sand Hills Podcast. My name is Pastor John. Today I am joined by Pastor Tom, who is also on staff here. Welcome yeah, That is correct. You. Yep. I am the discipleship pastor here at Sand Hills Community Church. And is uh you are the one who helped me get into ministry so much here at the church because you we when we had our young adult group be just a community group in Bible study, it was with the discipleship. And so you taught me so much about how to do community groups and and now we get to do the podcast together yeah that's, that's great so you're doing a great job with the young adult ministry oh thanks here at the church so it's a lot of fun and we love getting to do it and so uh, how did you kind of get into sandhills
0: so that's kind of a miraculous story I had graduated from CIU nice uh, my Ram wife Rams <laughs> my wife and I uh, had planned to go overseas to be missionaries but she was diagnosed uh, with an illness that would not allow us to do that. And so mm. kind of processing that, I decided to pursue and look for ministry in the United States. And uh, at that time, we were meeting at Bookman Road Elementary School, and I mm. knew Pastor Chris a little bit and Pastor Jeff a little bit, and I said, hey, Pastor Chris, um, you know, I was had just made the decision to look for ministry in the United States, and I wasn't trolling for a job or anything. And I said, but it's kind of weird. I really feel called to a very specific thing, mm-hmm. and that's to be a pastor of discipleship and leadership development, which is an unusual combination with a church. Usually mm-hmm. it's evangelism and discipleship. And anyway, and so he said the board just voted on Tuesday to open a job up with that position
1: Why, to pursue you that. Look at that. Yeah.
0: And at the same time, within that time frame of a month or so, a church I had, had attended in Massachusetts years before that, had called me up and said, hey, I heard you graduated. I don't know if you'd be interested, Tom. Uh, it was a pastor I knew, and he said, but we, uh, we're we trying to hire for this weird job. We're going to call it a pastor of discipleship and leadership development. Wow. So both things happened at the same time. Goodness. Yep. And then eight interviews later, Sandhills came out on top. Nice. And they hired me. So that's how I ended up here, and that was about 12 years ago. And there we are. Yeah.
1: That's awesome. That is yeah. so cool to hear how the Lord put that in your heart and had been preparing yeah. the way for so long. Yeah, it really is amazing. So, is no incredible.
0: one else would hire me. It had to be by miracle yeah. because they looked at my <laughs> resume and, like, this Joker's not going to be able to help us. And so, <laughs> you know, he had to put
1: in a good word for me. That is awesome. And so, and now we get to take 12 years later, church experience, discipleship experience, leadership uh-huh. experience. And now we're coming in and we get to talk about on a podcast, which is such a cool platform for now communicating God's word and, yeah. and discipling people we don't even know just by going into these right. subjects. Uh, we're going to be talking today about why doesn't God save everyone? Mm-hmm. Pretty light question.
0: I know. And uh, you know, I saw some of the follow-up questions you generated. Yeah. And these are like the most difficult questions right. in Christianity. <laughs> you know, so we'll see how far we get.
1: And I say, I'm like, Tom, you want to handle these ones? Yeah, send this over to you. We'll have a great conversation about them. It. Right. So well, yeah. Well, we'll just we'll just dive into. It. So this kind of plays off of what we talked about with Dr. Dixon last last week, which was the idea of, you know, if you have an all-powerful God, mm-hmm why doesn't he appear to be doing more to save his own people from giving himself a bad name? And that kind of brought in the, the, the ideas of God's power, his, you know, what does he do? What does he tend to not do? What do his followers look like? And so I think kind of a jumping off point for that would be in what does it mean to be a follower of Christ? Like how, how does one become a follower of Christ?
0: Yeah, so everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. And that is a statement made in the New Testament in reiterating what had been spoken very strongly of in the Old Testament. And um, But now, particularly in the New Testament, it's anybody who receives Jesus as the Lord and Savior. It's an act mm-hmm. of the will, usually expressed through prayer and you know faith. And so it's a real trust in him in that position, uh, that Jesus paid the price that you could not pay in your own. But not only that, that you're... You will follow him, uh, and he will be your Lord. Yeah. And so that's, that's what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ. So you have to know Jesus. Right. And we know him through his word primarily. There you and go. So that's a big part of it as well. And that's why the Bible becomes such an integral part to your faith is because that's mm. the revelation, God's special revelation to us of who he is and what and, um, and as a follower of Jesus, it's becoming like him. And, uh, first John, it says, you know, if you're going to abide in Jesus, you have to walk as Jesus walked. Hmm. And so to live your life as he lived it with the same values, the
1: same mission, same purpose. Yeah. And you said in in that, the very beginning, that definition that whoever calls upon the name of Jesus will be saved. Yeah. What, what are we, that, you know, that implies that there's something to be saved from. Yes. What
0: is that? So the Bible paints this picture that everybody has sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And, Hmm. Uh, apart from belief in Christ, we already stand condemned before God. And so the wrath of God is being poured out on us mm-hmm. for those things. And so uh, we're being saved from the consequences of that wrath, right? which is
1: death, spiritual mm-hmm. death. That was brought on by our own action. Yes. We
0: chose it. We did choose it. Yeah, everybody chose it. hmm so, and the
1: world has suffered because of it. Mm-hmm. I've always, the way that it was explained to me that I always thought was so helpful when it comes to this is the idea that we, we were given a boat, really nice yacht, uh-huh. beautiful. And then we were also, there were tools on the boat and we we're like, you know, it'd be really fun if we just drilled a bunch of holes in the bottom. yeah, And then the ship starts sinking and we're like, oh, how could he give us a leaky boat? And it's like, oh, he didn't give you a leaky boat you decided to drill the holes and then he's, you know, on the next boat offering to save us from our own mistake. And so many people were like, man, this is his fault. I'm just going to sit on the sinking ship. And I was like, oh, so we're being saved from ourselves back to that perfect thing that he had offered us in the beginning, which was a a ship that doesn't sink.
0: (laughs) And that's how revelation ends, you know, Mm -hmm. it's the reestablishment of the new heaven and new earth. Uh, all justice has been established. Mm-hmm. All injustices have been dealt with. Mm-hmm. And it's a restoration back to that Edenic
1: relationship that we had yeah. with Adam and Eve before the fall, right. before they sinned. And so when we have God, the concept now of people can, you know, call the name of Christ and make mm-hmm. a decision to follow him and walk in his paths. Uh, we have the idea that God is saving us and is actively pursuing us. And then that comes to kind of the age-old question of, is is God picking and choosing people that he wants yeah. to save? And, and he's just like, you know, I'm, I, would, I want nothing to do with this person, but I am going to save this person. Or hey, how does that play out? Is everyone saved? What does that look like?
0: Yeah, this is really interesting. So no, not everyone is saved. That's very mm-hmm. clear in scripture. Jesus said that the way is narrow, you know, and few will pursue that. Um, and this is one of the most complicated things in Christianity that's been trying to has been trying to be resolved for, you know, Mm -hmm. forever. And I I think for me, what's helpful is to look at it from God's perspective and then Mm -hmm. from our perspective. And from God's perspective, the scriptures are very clear that he chooses everybody who's going to be saved. Mm -hmm. And not only are they chosen, they were chosen before the foundations of the earth. Right. Which you think about that, there's a, you know, a book, the book of life, and it actually has your name written on it. Mm Mm-hmm. Before like the creation of the planets and things like that, and so you know that just blows my mind. That's,
1: wonderful. that's amazing. <laughs> yeah. That's crazy to think. That's about.
0: great if your name's in the Book of Life. And yeah. so that's <laughs> that's God's perspective, uh, you know. But then our perspective, there's this, there's this offer of salvation, and mm-hmm. that it's presented to us as a choice. You know, yeah. um, you know, receive Christ as Lord, and mm-hmm. then you'll be adopted into His family. And and so we have God's perspective, which kind of gives us the behind-the-scenes view mm-hmm. and the reality of his sovereignty and how it acts with this. And it's, it's unmistakable because some people say, well, isn't there a debate between Arminians and Calvinists? Yeah, free will, predestination. Yeah, but mm-hmm. both of them would say, well, God predestines everything. It's what's mm-hmm. the basis of right. his predestination. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, so God is sovereign. He does choose. It says that very clearly in many places in the New Testament, Jesus even talked about it. And, then, uh, and yet we are offered this
1: choice. And so, that yeah. we're responsible for. that. It's not a yeah, robotic yeah. decision.
0: Yeah, and it, it would be easy to, to you know, head towards fatalism or determinism and think, mm-hmm. well, my choices don't make any difference. But from our perspective, we just don't know how God works all that machinery. Yeah. Because he does say that we are responsible,
1: and yet he is sovereign. And he says, I also know. Everyone at the same time, yeah. yeah. You get to the point where where Scripture says um, the secret things belong to God, but the things revealed belong to us and our children forever. Yeah. And so it's revealed to us that he he's got it all laid out, but it's also yeah. revealed to us that you have to make a very real decision. How yeah. those two things yeah work and perfectly and where together, they meet
0: we don't, we don't, we have no idea. That part's secret. <laughs> yeah, and nobody's been able to figure it out. There's no magic formula. There's no mm-hmm. hidden book you know, that you'll read, that will just give you the answer instantaneously. Yeah. And I think that's because God is infinite and we have no experience mm-hmm. with anything like that. And yeah. everything that we know, we know by
1: analogy. Right. Which I was about to make an analogy that, that Jesus talks about, you know, my sheep know my voice. Right. You know, and so that's the idea that he's like, I know who my sheep are, my sheep know who I am. Right. But if you have a hundred sheep, you know, in a flock and you and he calls out, come to me, it's a genuine call to all of them. It is. But right. the ones that know his name are like, that's my shepherd. And then they make the decision to go. Um, yeah. And so that's an interesting analogy to kind of think about that, that it's a genuine call to everyone. Right. But Christ knows who his sheep are yeah. and his sheep know who he is. And it's becomes yeah. a natural relationship kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And so with that mindset then, okay, so we have a God who on the one hand knows exactly how everything's going to play out. Who's going to choose him. We have a God who, who has given us uh, the responsibility to make a very real decision to follow or not follow him. And this gets into now the question of, if he's all powerful and he knows all this stuff, wh- why doesn't he just save everyone?
0: Yeah, unfortunately, the Bible says that none of us deserve salvation at all. And so the, the fact that he chooses to save some is just his mercy and his grace. Mm-hmm. In fact, we all deserve punishment. The fact that any are saved. Yes. Period. Yeah, and so you should probably it's ask the question that way. Mm. You know, it's like why does he save anyone? Because yeah. the Bible presents the reality that compared to God's righteousness, our righteousness just doesn't measure up, mm-hmm. and uh, there's no reason why you should do that. All right. And uh, you know, Paul deals with a lot of this directly in Romans nine through eleven, and there he deals with some difficult questions there. And at the end of the day, he says that. You know, God chooses to have mercy on who's going to have mercy, and mm-hmm. we really don't know the basis for his decision. Mm-hmm. But we do see, and this is Paul's perspective, is once you come to know God through Christ, you really see his goodness and his love, and that's what you're trusting mm-hmm. in. You're trusting at the end of the day, this is God who came in the form of man to die for me, mm-hmm. uh, humbled himself in that way, um, suffered for me, is accessible to me now through his Holy Spirit mm-hmm. has eternity in store for me. And so we know that God is loving in that way. And that's what we trust. in. at the end of the day, it's a loving God behind all of this. And he's demonstrated mm-hmm. his love that we can see.
1: Absolutely. Because yeah, it's always that idea of how you frame the question, because if, if you frame it from life, why isn't God saving everyone? It makes yeah. him the bad guy. Right. Whereas you think it was, I can't believe that I have the opportunity to be saved. It puts the responsibility back where it should be, which is yeah. on us for making the decision.
0: And we would like to think that we are amazing, mm. you know, and you know we all do things that, from our perspective, are good. Mm-hmm. So God should welcome me into heaven, you know, and actually He would be blessed to have me. Yeah. But that's not <laughs> that's not His perception, you know. Yeah. It's like He looks on us in His absolute holiness; like no one is going to measure up to that and so you know there has to be some process where we're purified so that we can make it into his pure presence yeah and that happens through the atonement of
1: christ Mm -hmm. through his death and his resurrection so and you talked about that aspect just then you mentioned his holiness yeah and so he has these perfect characteristics his holiness his justice his mercy uh his love but then you also have his perfect ability to be judge and his perfect ability to execute wrath and things like that so how do these attributes come into this question when we think of how we should approach it
0: yeah so because of his perfect justice Mm -hmm. then the sins that humanity have uh, done has to be paid for Mm -hmm. in some way but he's also perfectly merciful and so he's providing a way for that payment Mm. And so you see the interaction of all these different attributes that he has. Uh, the resolution of that was his plan to save us through Christ. Mm. And that's where his justice is balanced with his grace, his mercy, mm. his holiness. And in Christ, all of those things are resolved. Yeah. And that's why one of the reasons why it had to be God in the form of his son had to come and save us. Because he was the only one powerful enough to do that. Mm. Uh the price he paid through the sacrifice of, you know, the incarnate son of God was the only way that that debt could have
1: been met. Absolutely. And I always am reminded and astounded when I think of this, that you have an all-powerful God who could create the cosmos with the snap of his fingers, right? And yeah. and, and do anything and create anything. right. And he gave up the one thing that he couldn't have another of. And it was a real sacrifice. It wasn't just like, oh, okay, I'll, you know, Mars, I'll blow up Mars and I'll just make another Mars. That's not that's not what it is. Like there's only one Jesus, right? You know, and, and there's, it's the one thing. And he, he offered that, that up for us. The one thing he didn't have another of. Yeah. And, and I'm just, and I think
0: that's too, and that's a a trait that would probably goes unappreciated is self-sacrificing nature Mm. of God in himself and he asks that of his followers as well that's how love is defined yeah you know it's by your willingness to give up something to help somebody else even
1: when it's inconvenient
0: yeah i'm sure it's very inconvenient for jesus i to would bet as an infant and then suffer through you know all of the things he had to a human being and then
1: die on a cross for yeah. us and have all your friends leave you in your most vulnerable moment yeah not stay awake with you not be with you right totally ignore everything you say and think have 30 plus years been in vain to right. watch this happen. But then to know that where, then this is where the question gets crazy. You know, why does God save everyone? It's like, do you realize that he went through all of that to look at you and say, you're worth going through that? Yeah. And I want to die for you. And I'm, I, I would, I want you to know me. Yeah.
0: And we don't intrinsically have that value. He right. gives us that value. Mm-hmm. He chooses that, you know, to, like really not worth anything, but he chooses to value us in that way. and, I think it's his desire to have that restoration restored with humanity, Mm. you know, and what it's going to take for us to become perfect so that we can be in his presence is there has to be transformation that only he can accomplish. Mm. And that's why Jesus, his righteousness has been, you know, given to us. Right. Um, Which is, I can't even wrap my head around that. It's mind boggling. It is. It really is. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So we get into all these aspects. I mean, you, you really realize how multifaceted this is, because I, yeah. I, the world wants people to believe that it's as simple as God isn't real. Because if He was all powerful, why wouldn't He save everyone? And and just make yeah. it that simple when it's not. No. And it's so much more complex as we've already talked about. And so it seems like the question isn't so much why doesn't God save it, you know, why doesn't God save everyone? The question is, why isn't everyone? choosing God, you know, we have a very real choice. So what do you think happens in people's mindset? What's going on that not everyone is just like, oh, of course I want to be a part of that.
0: So again, looking at it from God's perspective versus human perspective In God's perspective, people are evil, you know, Mm. and they're going to reject what's good. Uh, They're going to reject the light. And so we have a natural tendency to do that. But I think looking at the human perspective, we want to be God. Mm. And so when you become a follower of Christ you have to submit your life to him and people don't want to do that and also when jesus was talking to his followers he says if anybody wants to come after me he must deny himself pick up his cross every day and follow me for everyone who wants to save his life is going to lose it but everybody who loses his life for my sake will find it and so you know and he says to other people give up everything you have and follow me and it's that sacrifice of having to give up ourselves as the most important thing in our lives and put him in that position. Mm-hmm. And, and our desire to be God ourselves resists that, mm. you know, and that was the sin of Adam and Eve, you know, when they're interacting with Satan in the garden and, you know, did God really say that he wants to prevent you from being like him? Mm. And somehow that was enticing mm. to, to Eve and to Adam, you know, and they bit the apple yeah. figuratively speaking or yeah. literally both probably wasn't an apple but
1: <laughs> <laughs> it was something and it had some real consequences <laughs> yeah, I know.
0: <laughs> like if i was there i wouldn't have done it well uh, we all want to believe uh, that. you know just yeah give me another minute you know and i would have been there so
1: and it, it yeah. is it is such an interesting concept to be thinking about these things and to yeah. dwell on it because it is so true that people don't want to be responsible for their actions they, they they want don't. to blame it on the vengeful god or on the god right. that's just not powerful enough to save them and yeah when the reality is like oh well, you got to we got to own up each of us yeah. individually have had to own up to ourselves and say i am yeah. i am responsible for this and the only solution can be that god has mercy on me and i've got to throw myself on the promise of christ and the promise of justification that he offers
0: yeah and it's interesting cuz everybody wants justice hmm. they see the evils perpetrated by others and
1: they want that addressed Right,
0: except for themselves,
1: and they're like, "Well, they're, you know, well here's the next, this is right. an exception." They're the exception,
0: <laughs> but if everybody says that, then everybody's the exception, and evil flourishes, you know. Right. And
1: so, and there's no cosmic justice, and exactly. and no one wants to live in a universe where there's no cosmic justice,
0: right? Where just evils perpetrated all the time. And the amazing thing is that God's common grace that He puts out there is even though we were so bad, it could be far worse. Mm. And his grace, yeah, yeah, his grace allows good things to happen here despite our sin. Mm. And that to me is just amazing. In fact, I see, and the fact, you know, I often wonder why doesn't God put his face across the sky and call everybody to himself? And there's a sense of humility in who he is, Mm. too, that's exhibited in Christ. The fullness of deity dwells in bodily form in Jesus. And so Jesus's humility and self-sacrificing nature isn't isolated to Christ and not the Father. I mean, they share those qualities, and so there's a sense of humility in who God is, and yeah. we can see His divine power, but it, it's so masked from what it could be, yeah. you know, and some would say that gives us the freedom to make a choice, you know without being compelled to do so,
1: yeah, and it's fascinating that you would say that you know, why doesn't God just throw his face across the sky? Yeah, because you already put a symbol in the the rainbow we saw I, yeah, we were playing uh, yeah. uh, volleyball just the other day here at the church. And, um, we looked up and there's this massive, I mean, probably the largest rainbow I've ever seen huge, just stretching across the sky. And we were all like, Oh, that's so cool. Like sign of God's promise. And, and he has literally put a symbol in the sky. That's massive. And, and people don't, they don't, they don't point to him for it. They don't accept that. He put it there as a symbol of his, his mercy to us.
0: Yeah, and I and I think is you know in the whole Noah covenant, which that's a, a symbol for, you know, people say and think about. Well, he said in that that he would no longer destroy mm-hmm. the earth through a flood, but this is also part of a promise where he'll keep the seasons and he will maintain the order of the planet so that people are taken care of. Yeah, you know, and that's in all of those things. And uh, Romans one says we should be able to look out into the the sky, the universe, and nature, and perceive that there is. A god, a god behind it mm-hmm. we may not know him as jesus through that that's different mm-hmm. but there's enough there to say well there's there's a supreme power and intellect behind this mm-hmm. and yet we've all rejected that you know yeah. and chosen to to not follow him
1: and you come from a science background i do yeah, yeah. how does that because that i feel like that must give you a special i mean if you doing things with math and science which i have yeah. never been gifted at yeah but the little bit that i got whenever i'd look under a microscope and see these yeah th- i can't perceive it with my eye but there are these whole almost like sub universes existing in order to help sustain life yeah it's like, this is
0: it's insane. it's it's absolutely fascinating so physics was uh what i studied in college with a bachelor's degree then mm-hmm. i was a chemist after that but uh for a while and it's interesting because there are so many things that God talks about that does. When you have a science background, it gives you additional insight. Mm-hmm. The structure of the universe, the three dimensions—I think is a reflection of the Trinity. You know, mm. and this is oh, interesting. <laughs> I,
1: I hadn't heard that before. That's yeah.
0: cool. Because it's—I won't go too deep into this because this is supposed to be the context right? we But anyway, <laughs> so there's one reality, but we mm-hmm. can tease out three different aspects to it. Mm-hmm. And yet you can never separate those dimensions from one another. You can ne- theoretically, you can talk about that, but there is no object that only has length or width or height. Wow. And if you change your perspective, one can just be the other. Wow. You know And so yeah, and I think that's on purpose. It doesn't have to be three. It could have been four or 11 or something like that. And so in that, and I, I also think that seeing infinity in the universe is something about us that knows that there can be infinity. And yet there shouldn't be, you know. And so, you know, where did the universe begin and what's the end? And we know that any physical process is not going to give you the answer to that. But if you say, well, there's something beyond the natural, something is supernatural that exists outside of time, then you can say, okay, that's where... Hmm. infinity comes from and it like our heart appeals to these things yeah um and want to see god that way and there's many more the nature of light and how jesus uses that hmm. for analogy of himself and there's two natures to light and they seem irreconcilable and yet they both exist in science huh. and then yeah and jesus says i'm i'm the light and light of the world and eventually his light will illuminate the new jerusalem and you know the end Wow. In the beginning of everything. Uh, I wish I'd paid more stage. attention
1: in science class. <laughs> <laughs> I <Yeah>. no idea. <laughs>
0: yeah, so it's interesting to see uh, how nature reflects God. And, and there was one point in science where in the 1800s they thought they'd everything figured out and they were feeling good about themselves. And light was the thing that they couldn't, it had some aspects to it that didn't make sense. And then it opened up this whole world of quantum <laughs> mechanics, you know, which is like there was far more depth and complexity. The things than they ever imagined. You know, and then they looked to the stars and they saw, wow, that even that has far more complexity right. than we ever imagined. And it was far bigger. And that you do get a sense of God's proportions mm-hmm. with all of this. And just think about the mind that had to put that together.
1: That's mind blowing. It is mind blowing. That's why so we have all these incredible things yeah. pointing to God his yeah. mercy for us, his love for us, yeah. the way that he's cultivating the universe to take care of us. And we're still plagued with this question, why doesn't God save everyone? So we see that God obviously has the major part to play in the fact that he has offered salvation to us. Right. But now what part do the people who have accepted yeah. Christ play in helping save others? if we will? So we talked about God, his characteristics, Jesus, talked about the universe that he created, how it points to him. Now what part do people play in this?
0: Yeah, this is fascinating because God did something crazy and he chose the instrument of his ministry to people to be the church, the body of Christ. Mm-hmm. and so together those people who receive Christ as the Lord and Savior, they receive His spirit within them that spirit specially gifts them to fit together with other people mm mm-hmm actually do the ministry of christ that he left behind now it's our job to do that mm-hmm. and you know romans talks a degree about that and first corinthians and that kind of thing and so our role is to walk as jesus walked yeah so sharing the good news to people that don't know it is also our role and uh it's interesting because we often look at the holy spirit and we know he's called the comforter and he gives us these gifts and we're filled with them mm-hmm. and we have the fruit of the spirit and they're amazing things and we love all of that and yet, as you look at the Bible, every time somebody receives the Holy Spirit, the first thing they do is proclaim God's truth to other people. Mm. That's the one key factor in all of it. And that's what he says. That's why when uh, you know, we receive power, when the Holy Spirit comes upon us, for what? For our own comfort? You know, to make our life better that God might, you know, mm-hmm. take our agenda to the next level? No, it's so that we witnesses mm. of him to the world. And, so,
1: and proclaim yeah. His truth, what he's done for us, exactly. how he saved us. Yeah. How his, and it's it's beautiful because it's not just, okay, I know I'm saved, end of story. Right. It's I haven't just been saved, you know, for a future date of justification right. before God. But now in this life, I live in the flesh, I can live to the glory of God. Amen. And I can walk in yeah. righteousness where Paul says, you know, you were dead in your trespasses. The wages of sin was right. death, that you've earned this. Yeah but now you, could, you, you had no option but to choose sin because you were dead into it. A dead person can't make a decision. But now we've been made alive to righteousness and we can right. choose righteousness and joy and love and peace. And when you read the fruit of the spirit, which comes right after the desires of the flesh in Galatians, When you read the desires of the fleshless, it is so anxiety plaguing. Like you just read it and you're like, ah, like this is the awful. This is the worst.
0: I know, but this is most of humanity most of the time. And and it gets
1: uncomfortable because you you read it and you're like, Yep, 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 yep. And you and you see it. You see yourself in it and you see how awful it is. And then you read the fruit of the spirit, and there's it really feels like you're just walking into a lush garden. Yeah, it's like, everything. oh, what a beautiful passage. It's so calming. It's beautiful.
0: It's everything everybody wants, but the path to it doesn't make any sense. Mm. Because in that, you have to give up your desires for yourself, the pursuit of that. And that's when you receive those things from him, supernaturally, you know, yeah.
1: and so, and then reflect Jesus to the world. Absolutely. I think, I mean, this has been a wonderful conversation about this topic, because it's, it's shown us so much about... This isn't just as simple as, oh, God needs to be more powerful and save everyone. It's a question of, are we going to own up and take responsibility? And then once we do take responsibility, are we going to then live out the hard life and the hard call to pursue cultivating that garden that the fruit of the spirit offers? Mm -hmm. And and make that happen and show people that it can happen, not by our own strength. right? Because humanity is the reason why we have the desires of the flesh list. What are we going to do through the power of the Holy Spirit and, and show the world that life with Christ and being saved by Christ is 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 greater than they could possibly imagine?
0: Yep, that's what eternal life is, knowing our Lord mm. and Jesus who was sent by him. In fact, mm. Jesus actually said that.
1: Yeah, and he's like, I know this one. And he gave it to us. It's beautiful. So if you could say one thing to to every person struggling with this question of why doesn't God save everyone, what what would you tell them?
0: So I would say open your Bible and read a little bit more and get a real picture of who God is. Mm. And look at the life of Jesus, you know, who gave so much uh, so that people would see and hear the words of God. Mm. And then you'll understand that people rejected him, but that offer of love was still there. And it builds a trust in who God is. Mm. And in that, I think it helps you reconcile some of those questions.
1: Absolutely. What gospel would you recommend for someone who's never cracked open a Bible? John
0: gospel of john has the most words from jesus in it um Mm -hmm. out of all of them and it's also the most relational book Mm -hmm. so written by his closest follower
1: there you go so if you are interested in hearing more about this relational god who wants to save you and wants to know you and love you and transform your life because he loves you enough to take you where you're at but he loves you enough to not leave you that way either and tom and i can both testify to that truth that he'll he'll take you and he's gonna transform you and it's a, a beautiful experience. Difficult at times for sure, yeah, absolutely, but so worth it and yeah. and so wonderful. And so we'd encourage you guys to crack open your Bibles, look at the Gospel of John, and I kind of feel like the guy at the end of Reading Rainbow, where I'm like, don't just take my word for it. <laughs> Check it out at your local library and just crack open your your local yeah. Bible and read the Gospel of John. But we thank you guys so much for tuning in. We hope that this has been. Uh, A blessing to you that you've enjoyed this conversation. Tom, thank you so much for being on the show. This was awesome. Don't forget to like, subscribe, and send to a friend. We do this stuff for you guys, that you can grow in your knowledge of Christ and get to walk in a manner worthy of Him and share this wonderful news with everyone. So we hope you guys have a great week. We'll see you next time.